Good day. Hope you're having a good one. This is Mark Bernstein, and we're here at Founders Forum. I'm here with Ann Johnorado on a beautiful sunny day in Ballackinwood, Pennsylvania, one of the first days of spring. And I say good day, by the way, because I don't know when you'll be listening to this. It could be any time of day. So again, hope you're having a good one. And to start today's show, I want to ask Ange, I think she has a thought for the day, and I'd like to see what you're thinking about, and we'll have a little conversation around that. Good morning, Mark. Um, Good to see you again. And uh, yeah, especially in the first full week that we've been together, the first full week of of spring for us. And um, yeah, you know, as I was driving into the studio this morning, um, I got a download, meaning uh, just a vision of the word and the feeling of resiliency or resilience, mm. <laughs> one or the other. And it kind of struck me in terms of looking around and That's saying, a question you know, for another day, but which it is, is it? it isn't resilience it. or resiliency? Well, you know, I, I looked it up. Well, we're getting ready to start. Ah, and okay. actually, okay. I thought both are acceptable. So okay. oh, cool. uh, I guess resiliency is a little bit more common, a little bit more current. I like, um, resilient, I like resiliency. Let's go with that. Yeah, why okay. not? Let's, Let's we're, we're, we're kind of in 2023. We'll, we'll be current and hip. Cool. Um, but it, I think it came to me as a thought for the day because, you know, if we think about rebirth in the spring and, and sort of being resilient and things coming out of hibernation, and it also reminds me of, of people, businesses, you know, our conversation we're going to have with our guest here in a few minutes around, you know, what does resiliency look like in a business and a leader? How does it play a part in if you have to pivot the business or pivot um, an entire career? You know, that's something that you and I are interested in. So, yeah, that kind of came to me and, you know, love to get your thoughts on resiliency and we can ask our guests as well and just kind of the current hot seat for me today. Well, I can tell you that um, if I think about my own business and career, I'm in the financial services business and when I started out, it's a tough business. Everybody that's been in that knows and you start out on the selling side of it. I think of myself a lot more on the consulting side of it today. But Starting out, it was, um, you know, it's hard. You have to create business out of the air. I also very early on had a partnership that wasn't a great partnership and had to come out of that. And basically with a loss of money and start again and have had to do things like that several times throughout my career. And there's always obstacles to overcome. And I think... I believe you get to a certain point where resiliency comes naturally. You just expect it as part mm-hmm. of as part of life. You know, it's just another. In fact, I I I I actually like obstacles today. I like the challenge of obstacles, but it took a long time to get to that point. That's my thought about that. How about you? How, how's that been a factor in your yeah? I think working life. I think it's. Uh, well, definitely on the on the working life for my own career, you know, I've kind of tried a number of different things as well. And, you know, I've gotten had roles where I was doing really wonderful and then one whatever event might happen and you kind of find yourself plummeting and picking back up and start over again. But, you know, notably when I think about, for example, the recession, right? So I've spent my entire career in executive leadership and, and executive search and coaching. And during the recession, there was a massive, massive white collar, you know, downturn. And so my business and myself even, we had to pivot. We had to be resilient and say, if we're not hiring people, how do we help them become resilient and retool themselves and rebrand themselves for new things? So I think um, resiliency is probably in everything that we do personally and professionally. And uh, 
I'm excited to delve a little bit deeper into that topic as we talk with our guest today, because it certainly seems like he has a very interesting story and uh, would love to kind of hear his thoughts on it as well. I think that's a great lead-in. Thanks for doing that, Ange. So we have with us here today Carl Fisher. Carl Fisher is CEO and uh, co-founder of Plan, which is a company that is one of the largest um, administrators of alternative investments in IRAs in the country, so self-directed IRAs, um, which opens up a whole field of a lot of questions and a lot of interesting topics because there's all kinds of other kinds of investments that many people aren't aware you can do in IRAs. And uh, Carl, just a little bit of background, is a very bright guy. I've had the opportunity to know him for the past number of years, and he's a graduate of Cornell University, and he was literally a rocket scientist um, working at the Kennedy Space Center in um, Cape Canaveral, Florida. And from there uh, came into uh, this business, which we'll talk a little bit about how he got there. I just want to mention that Carl is also interested in all kinds of alternative investments as a natural outgrowth of his career and personally has many done much in the way of uh, real estate transactions in particular and other types of alternative investments. So he's Plan and Carl and his partner, who is his sister, Maggie Palisano, who I think we might have on if she's willing on another show at some point, um, they provide a lot of information and introduce a lot of people in the alternative investment space to their clients. Um, so with that, Carl, let's talk about resiliency. How has that impacted you? And then we'll kind of go backwards and talk about your story. I think resiliency is definitely key. Um, you know, and it makes me think of the quote, you know, the China, the old Chinese quote, we live in interesting times. Uh, and I think we're in one of those or coming up on, on another one. And uh, I've seen interesting times over the past, you know, 50, 60 years. Uh, so I do think you need to be resilient. But everybody uh, listening to this show today comes from a long line of survivors. So uh, I do think that uh, to be in the survivors, you have to be resilient in what you're doing. So uh, I like the word. Thanks for uh, picking it up, Ange. Oh, thank you. And I like interesting times. Don't you think, Carl, we're always in interesting times? Like, I, I you know, I, I'm baby boomer, and I think about the years I've lived through, and I'm trying to think that there weren't too many that weren't interesting, but I'm sure some are more interesting than others. But what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I mean, if you look at the at technology, I mean, some of my grandkids don't know about rotary phones or even the, the touchtone phones. Um, you, you know, air-conditioned cars, seatbelts. Um, there's all kinds of those things. You know, we used to drink water out of a hose. Um, sure. You know, so yeah, there's uh, there's all kinds of technology changing. And there was, uh, at one point, they were going to get rid of the patent office in the United States because they said that all the inventions have been been made. Uh you know, so there was a there was on the books at one point to to get rid of that patent office. So and and it, the speed of that change and the velocity of the change in technology and laws and and uh, lifestyle has been excellent. You know, I mean, if you think about it, almost anybody in America was living better than kings and queens. You know, a century ago. Hmm. By the way, you mentioned technology. I just want to mention one thing. 
I'd like to have a whole show sometime on words we use that don't mean what they used to. Like somebody say, if I said, Carl, you know, I'll, I'll dial, I'll dial, I'll, I'll dial you up. You know, I'll give you a call. Like use a dial, but you know, but then there are people that might say that that don't even know why it's called dial. Or, um, you know, we talk about music a little bit on the show. We might talk about it later on today. Um, you know, I, what, what's your favorite record? You know, but there really aren't any records. I mean, there are records, but really it's a specialty item today. You know, it's really what, what are you streaming these days or what are you, uh, you know, it's not DVD, CDs are almost out of, out of date now. So um, it is, it, but we still use those words and there's a whole bunch of them that still linger around and people have no idea why they, why they're there. Um, so Carl, tell us a little bit about how you got from, well, first of all, your background, cause it's kind of interesting. I know you come from a large family and tell us about your formative years and how you went to become a rocket scientist and how you got from there to what you're doing today. Okay. Quickly, I was born in New Jersey, but my mom and dad uh, moved down to Florida when I was two years old. So I got to grow up in Fort Lauderdale, uh, my mom and dad were in real estate and their moms and dads were in real estate and they uh, started buying real estate uh, when they came came to Florida. Uh, I went to high school in Fort Lauderdale. I went to Cornell up in New York and uh, was in, in engineering and architecture. After coming out of college, I went to work for... Uh, Martin Marietta and NASA on the research and development of the space shuttle program. I was interested to put man back into space. I thought maybe I'd be able to get a ride if I was uh, right there at the launch pad, hop on at the last minute. I was naive coming out of college and didn't know exactly how it worked. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I knew about real estate. I was the one who rented the house when we went skiing in Vermont over the uh, Christmas break. And uh, so I just done a lot of real estate, you know, following my dad around, he used to open up the checks or the mailbox money as a lot of people talked about and learned about that. Um, but man, space flight was a lot more fun and it was exciting and you got to meet the astronauts. And, and so I really, I really liked that part of it. And um, before you go on, I just have to say you're the first person that I've really had a conversation with to try to hitch a ride on the space shuttle. I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty outstanding in itself. Mm -hmm. So maybe your next job, you work for SpaceX or Blue Origin or one of those companies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I got out of that uh, because we were starting, you know, the, the rumors were on the, on the take that we were going to get rid of the space shuttle and move to, uh, you know, paying the Russians for rides to space, which, you know, really just irked me because, you know, I like to have my own car and my own transportation. I don't want to be beholding to Uber or the taxi cabs. Um, but anyway, so at that point I, uh, left, left the space program. I did some stuff on some military satellites and, uh, uh, some commercial space, but at, at that point I, uh, left the space program and, uh, went into mortgage brokering and then, uh, self-directed IRAs and 401ks 
because I found out that I could take what my mom and dad had taught me in real estate, add the self-direction to it in the IRA world and basically have tax-free income for the rest of my life, which increased, uh, you know, my earnings, you know, by 30 to 37%, depending on what tax bracket I was in. So once I found that out, I started passing it off. I, you know, like you said, I, I'm one of 12 kids, so I had a pretty big network and I was working at the space center, knew a lot of people and engineers there. And I would pass this information off to those people and I helped them, them do it. And then finally, you know, my sister and I uh, started a business. She graduated from Villanova and was in data control and finance. So um, that's how Camaplan was born. Very interesting. And as I mentioned, I think I, I believe you're one of the largest companies in the country doing that, although based here in Ambler, Pennsylvania, although you're based in Fort Lauderdale, I know. Fort Lauderdale. Area. Well, I mean, my our headquarters is in Ambler, Pennsylvania, and I'm still there. I, I've always kept my residence in Florida because, again, you know, taxes is, is one of your big, biggest expenses. And with those taxes, Florida doesn't have an income tax and never has. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I keep my primary residence here. Yeah. So in terms of getting to where you got, because um, Plan is one of the one of the greatest IRA, self-directed IRA administrators out there today. What what do you think? What what if you could name one thing that contributed to the success you've had at Camaplan, you and your sister? What would you call that? Um, I would say it's uh, education, right? I I think it's also uh, you you know honesty, and we set it up. Uh, for investors, uh, because we wanted a company like ourselves were investors. So we felt that we would, you know, this is how we would want the company run. Um, and that's what we ended up doing is, you know, setting it up for investors by investors. And I think that would be one of the, the contributors to it. You know, little things like we answer the phone instead of putting people on, you know, answering machines and Having, having to have them push 10 or 15 buttons. We want them to, you know, get to people, things that we like. Nice. Carl, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I do want to ask you about your network of investors because I know that's something you've developed and you've actually even built an organization around that. So let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Establishing a self-directed Roth IRA or other self-directed retirement plan offers access to investment options usually only available to well-connected or wealthy individuals. Anyone can build wealth and achieve tax-free income for life and financial freedom without the inordinate risk of speculative investing, securities trading, exotic financial instruments, or hoping for the best from the stock market. Since their inception in 2003, Camaplan has come to be synonymous with expertise, flexibility, responsiveness, and diversity of investment choices. They provide innovative investment opportunities for investors seeking direct control and more choices in how they deploy their investment capital. Camaplan doesn't just make it possible to invest in alternative assets, they also teach investors how to put their money to work. Take the road to financial freedom today. Go to camaplan.com forward slash IRA. 
Hi, we are back today at Founders Forum with Carl Fisher. Carl, as the music's playing, I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about your network of investors. I know that you've built somewhat of an organization around that in sort of a semi-formal way to communicate amongst alternative investors. Do you want to comment on that for a moment? Sure. I mean, when we started Camel Plan, we thought it was going to be easy, but the uh, a lot of people didn't know anything about alternative investments. I mean, if you were in real estate, then you knew about real estate, but all of the other different investments, gold, uh, precious metal, notes and mortgages, people don't know much about. So at Gamma Plan, we started educating people uh, on different asset classes. And we bring in professionals, you know, attorneys, accountants, realtors, title companies, uh, different professionals around the, around the, the, the country. But the other thing we bring in is people that are actually doing alternative investments and are passionate about their investments. I mean, some people love multifamily. Some people love oil and gas. Some people like the music industry, right? Or TV or movies. Uh, so there's a lot of different investments that are out there. And we bring those people that are actually doing it. And we ask them, you know, about their investments and why they're passionate about them and why they think they're the best investments to be in. Because everybody can pick anything they want to do. So there's reasons that people pick these things. Like I like real estate, but my mom and dad and their mom and dad were around it and I grew up around it. So from a risk standpoint, I think I'm more knowledgeable and from a uh, fear standpoint, uh, I think I'm more knowledgeable, so I don't have the, that that fear in that venue per se. But there's other people that have have that in all the other places. So we we bring in you know note buyers, note makers, mortgage makers, gold dealers. Uh, so it's it's a good thing, and then people can listen, and we try to make it all educational and not sales. Now people might like what they hear, and they can go talk to to the people that get introduced on our show if they want to invest with them a lot of times. But that's completely uh, divergent of us. So Carl, that's you know I think it's very very interesting. I know even for myself, I've just started learning about alternative investments only about three years ago. So. Um, you know, I think what you're talking about and how your company's built around educating the market as well and really bringing some of these things into the fold and, and opening, having people have access to that is, is really interesting and exciting and, and love that you're using your platform for education as well. I'm also curious about as you built the company and you said, you know, you thought it was going to be easy and you found it was a little bit more challenging. I'm interested in terms of how you built it from the inside out too, meaning um, because it's an alternative marketplace, so to speak, what could criteria when you look to hire people for a camera plan so not your not your clients but employees and you know other leaders what are some of the things that you've looked for what makes them part of your culture how have you kind of crafted that culture over the years and what do you think ties into having you guys now have that unique ability in your business well i think that one thing that i focus on is i want our people to be polite and honest okay uh we can teach them the business, but being polite, honest, straightforward, uh, those are things that I think are intrinsic in, in people. And it just makes you feel better when you're talking to them because uh, from the top down, we want that in our business because that's what develops trust. 
and we want we want people to trust us and we want to trust the people that we're working with. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, especially the trust and trust and authenticity piece. Um, you know, you don't have to go very far in the news to d- these days to kind of see, you know, companies, organizations or things that are not necessarily trustworthy. So I think um, that's fantastic that that's kind of a, a key value and core mission, you know, of the business. So um, I think that's that's really critical and important, especially for smaller businesses, right? And, and I would imagine that helps you create lasting relationships and ongoing relationships with your clients as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I you know, I think that that's it. We've, we've had employees that have been with us, you know, almost since we started. And, uh, you know, we do, we do like to have that consistency going through, but, you know, you have to, you have to work with them as well as them working with us, but we're always trying to do, do the best for our clients and do the best for our employees. Carl, uh, we talked a bit about how you created your successes through you know, networking with others and, and uh, gathering together people and educating them and how you find your employees. Um, what, since we're talking about resiliency today, what, what kind of roadblocks or failures did you run into that I, I know sometimes those are our greatest lessons what kind of things that you can think of came along the way that um, taught you more and gave you more strength to move forward? Well, I've always been a um, believer in learning f- from other people's mistakes opposed to mine. Uh, but obviously, you don't go through life without making some mistakes. Uh, By the way, I thought OPM was other people's money, but I guess it's other people's mistakes. I like that. That's great. Well, it's less costly and less time-consuming for you. You know what I mean? Sure. Any of those mistakes you can identify? Well, um, yeah, let me think. I think most of them come from lack of preparation or not enough preparation when meeting an opportunity. Mm. Um, and sometimes you, you jump in too fast or your emotions get to you. Um, I can talk about, you know, buying a house as an example. Oh, you all, you, you really wanted that house, uh, you know, because it was on a point lot and, um, you know, you overpaid for it. Now, is it something that's going to sink you? No, it's not. Um, but I'll tell you a couple of other ones too. I mean, when I was launching rockets, some of, you know, and, and the, the lessons are, are the same out there. I had to put the, uh, uh, connect the shuttle to the external tank and we took it apart and I was using the same bolts to put it back together again because they were very expensive. And some of the NASA engineers said, why didn't you use the new bolts? And I said, because these meet the specs and, uh, you know, and they, they, they brought us in to talk to the higher ups and, and I actually, um, you know, prevailed. But when that rocket took off, the engineer looked at me and says, I hope nothing happens with that connection. Um, and, you know, I was fearful for, you know, the uh, eight minutes that rocket was in flight. Uh, and then I'm thinking about the money I could have spent and not had that concern. Uh, but nothing happened, but it, it was, it just makes you, you do a little bit 
uh, cost analysis because if something had happened to it, it could have killed, you know, seven crewmen. Mm. Uh, so I, I think you, you, you know, near, near failures are almost as good as, as failures. If, I hope that answers your question. That's a great one. That's a great visualization to have in terms of preparation, which you mentioned before. Um, looking, f I just want to ask you quickly if your vision for the future for, um, let's see, we, we actually, I see we're running a little short on time. Let's get back yeah. to that if we have time at the end. I want to ask you, um, you know, we do our closing rounds, just some quick thoughts. So um, I'm going to ask you, Carl, to shift gears a lot. I know you're a music fan. What is your favorite song and why? Uh, I like It's a Hard Day's Night. Or, um, That's great. And the reason I like that is because it kind of taught me that I want freedom. Right. I don't want to work nine to five, but that's another good one by Dolly Parton. Uh, <laughs> so you start thinking about that and it creates a a, a, a vision of, of freedom. So that's one of my, you know, do you really want to be spending your time at work versus somewhere else? So, you know, we talk a little bit about music. I'm a big Beatles fan and A Hard Day's Night was a malapropism coined by Ringo Starr, who had a number of those. So that little misuse of words has is, sounds like a guiding light in your life to a certain extent. It's pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> it is right. I mean, that was when I was in college and thinking about this stuff. Right. Uh, lastly, because we don't have much time left, so I'm going to go right to tell me your thoughts about your legacy. I know you're building something special with your business and some of the education you do. What do you? What thoughts do you have around that? Well, I mean, my legacy obviously is you know, starts out with, with my family. I have four boys and seven, uh, um, grandchildren and another one on the way. So, you know, life is good. That's a legacy in itself. Um, but what you want to do is you want to, you want to teach your kids to be polite, you know, be honest and be good citizens and take care of, take care of their, uh, you know, their stewardship over the earth and, and anything that I'm able to uh, um, pass on to them. And a lot of people think it's money or buildings or uh, uh, things like that, but I think their thought process and how to live a healthy, uh, freedom-filled life is, is what I really want to push on to these kids. That's a wonderful thought, wonderful message. Uh, Carl, thank you so much for being here today. You've helped yes, to satisfy you, mine and Angie's curiosities. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate being here, and let's get everybody thinking about self-directing their IRAs. We hope you enjoyed your time with Founders Forum today and you found value to take with you throughout your day. Join us again next week for another episode of Founders Forum on WWDB Talk Radio and always at the Founders Forum show page at WWDBAM.com.